it's Mel, and you're listening to my Rough Draft podcast, where we talk about embracing our current seasons of faith, work, and wholeness. As a part of the Rough Draft Collective, we are committed to the holistic growth of millennial men and women, and each week we'll discuss how to redefine history with our everyday stories. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome back to my Rough Draft Podcast. It's your girl Mel. And thank you guys so much for tuning in. Last week, um, we talked about losing control and gaining trust. And I hope that you guys like that solo episode. If you haven't listened to it, go be sure to go back and listen to it, especially in the times that we are in today. But today we are going to talk about mental health with one of my dear friends, Victoria. And Victoria is actually a licensed associate professional counselor. So she knows what she's talking about, y'all. But um, today we're going to kind of talk through mental health. We're going to talk through purity. We're just going to kind of share some of our stories and Victoria is going to share her wealth of knowledge. So I'm so excited for her to join today. And yeah, thanks for listening um, and stay tuned for this week's episode. Okay. Hey, Victoria, how are you? Say hey to the people. Hey, y'all. I'm doing well. Hey, Victoria. I'm excited. I'm glad you're here. Thank you so, so much for um, taking the time out to talk to us today. Um, So let's go ahead and jump right in because I know we're going to have a lot to cover. So can you tell me a little bit about yourself, where you live, what you do, maybe your passions, etc.? Yeah, sure. So you already said I'm Victoria Glover, licensed associate professional counselor. Um, I live in the metro Atlanta area and I currently work as a school-based therapist with a nonprofit called Chris 180 and I'm at an elementary school. Uh, So those of you you guys that have a question about that, I'm not a guidance counselor or a school counselor. (laughs) I'm an actual therapist that's contracted into the school. So my days kind of look like pulling my kids throughout the day out of their classes and we do our therapy sessions at the school and then I take them back to class. In addition to that, I'm a part of a specific grant in Chris 180 called Project 180. Um, and that grant is targeted to transform the Atlanta public schools into more trauma-informed environments. So we provide some teaching and consulting to the teachers and staff that work in the school system. That is so cool. Thank you. <laughs> it's great. I love it, honestly. I really love it. Yeah. On my rough draft, and we are definitely going to talk more about that. So on my rough draft, though, before we get back into what you do as a therapist, uh, we talk mm-hmm. about where we are currently in our seasons of life. And so mm-hmm. in one word, can you describe where you are spiritually, professionally, and mentally? Ooh, I really like this one. Um, so spiritually, I'm going to be honest with everybody. I feel like I am in a trying time right now. I think that, you know, as time goes on, as life goes on, right, we all have like these spirit, these moments where we're like tested. And, you know, I think Andy Mineo said it really well in one of the songs, like when you level up, you know, the boss gets bigger. So it's like after every test, you know, there there's still more coming. Yeah. And it really, you know, requires me to stay prayed up and stay in tune with God. Um, and it's not easy, but it's still something that's very worthwhile. Um, so I, I definitely would say trying because I really have to make sure that I'm intentional about getting, you know, my time with God. And I can tell when I'm not getting it. There's a, there's a big difference in that for me. Professionally, I would definitely say uh, the word budding, like a budding rose. I think I'm finally coming to a place where I am 
confident and uh, just reassured that I am where I'm supposed to be. Um, which just so you guys know, took forever. Um, it took me a while to actually accept like, this is where I am. This is what I'm doing. I think I had a lot of moments in my career um, professionally where I didn't know if I was in the right place and I wasn't sure if I was supposed to be a therapist. And I think recently, like literally as of like two weeks ago, God answered me and, you know, it, it, it was really great. And really, honestly, uh, gosh, it was just kind of like one of those supernatural things, like where I had a realization in my mind and I, I felt myself just like, accept that and, and really feel at peace with where I am right now. Mentally, uh, <laughs> this might sound really funny, but I'm thinking the word springtime is coming to mind only because um, I'm somewhat in a new job, um, feeling very, very positive, enthusiastic, refreshed, really loving where I am right now. Just also to let y'all know, your girl's also in therapy herself. Um, so I think that me and my therapist are making some really great progress together. Um, and it's just, it's a really refreshing place to be in. So springtime is the word for that. Oh, girl, <laughs> we need to get into all of that. I love that. First <laughs> off, your words are so unique. When I think of my words, they're so basic, like happy, sad. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Aww. But that's so good. Okay, so I'm going to get to the questions, but I have to hit on that, what you said about where you are professionally. Yeah, and sure. so you're a therapist today. And mm -hmm. You said that it took you a while to figure out, you know, that that was really your call. So I first want you to talk maybe a little more about like maybe what you thought the career was, whether or not you felt like you knew what it was or you were fighting it. Um, and you said that it kind of that confirmation kind of came supernaturally. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah. what, what does that mean practically? Like, did God like speak to you in your sleep? Like, talk a little. Yeah, I know. I got you. Yeah, talk <laughs> a little bit about um, kind of like where you were in your career and how you got to like, okay, this is a therapist and what did that confirmation look like for you? Yeah, so I'll start briefly from the beginning. I had my own experiences with therapy, like when I was, you know, adolescent, um, some family therapy, individual therapy that kind of planted the seed for my interest in it later on in life. And, you know, I had some experiences in college where I saw individual therapy. In college, I, I was really going through some identity issues um, and I was a new believer. So I was really lost. <laughs> just to, Yeah, just to say that I was really lost. And I actually came into college wanting to do psychiatry because everybody in my family is in the medical field. <laughs> so that was just my default. Quickly learned that was not for me. <laughs> After general chemistry, I, yeah, that was not for me. <laughs> but I kept my psych major and just dropped the pre-med part. So those experiences in combination with working for housing really is what led me down the therapy route. Now, I wasn't sure <laughs> if that was really going to pan out because when I finished my undergraduate career, I was actually rejected from my top two choices, a doctorate program in counseling psychology, and then another master's program. So I, I kind of went through a rocky period where I was like, whoa, like, what's going on? You know, I didn't really know like what I was supposed to be doing. But I really think that was like the beginning of like, me developing that foundation. 
because, you know, if everything's going well, it's so easy to trust God, right? Like it's easy to praise him and, you know, be happy if, if everything that you want is happening. But when things aren't going your way, you know, it's a different story. But anyways, I feel like I got off your question and I'm sorry, no. Um, I ended up, you know, getting into um, Mercer University, their master's program in clinical mental health counseling. Ended up really loving the program. Like I grew a lot as a person there. But even like after graduation and after getting my first job, I was still unsure if I was really supposed to be here. It was partially because of the environment, my first job, you know, it, it people talk about toxic work environments. It really... <laughs> it takes a toll on you. And I think I was looking at my job. I worked, you know, at a a mental health hospital. um, And I was kind of looking at the field of therapy, like, well, this is what it is. And I don't want to do it. (laughs) God, like, what am I doing? Like, where am I at? You know, but I took a leap of faith and, you know, talked to God about getting the job I have now. And I'm glad I listened to him because, you know, I, I think I learned through that process, like, a, like just because we're in our first job doesn't mean that's going to be what we're going to be for the rest of our lives. <laughs> you know, there's time. We're young. There's there's time to grow out of, out of spaces. And also just my own personal journey in therapy and just kind of having some realizations like, like, no, like this is what I'm passionate about. This is why God has me here. Like I, you know, I talked about the supernatural breakthrough and I think me and my therapist, you know, got to a point in our sessions where I I kind of realized, you know, I really have a heart for advocating for people who, you know, may not be able to have the words to advocate for themselves at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really have a passion for helping people realize the resilience that God has given them. Um, and just helping them be comfortable in their feelings and knowing that it's okay to feel, you know, it's okay to feel, we need to feel, we don't have to stay there, mm-hmm. you know? So I, these, these things literally happened like two weeks ago and I feel like I, I left a therapy session and I was just kind of like, gosh, like that was, that was a lot. That was hard, you know, um, thinking about some things that happened in my past, thinking about some things that are out of my control. But I think it, it, that thought process you know, kind of sprung me into that thinking of like, but this is, this is why I do what I do. Because there are some kids that I work with that there are some things that are out of their control. And that's why I'm there. Like I'm there to help guide them, help comfort them. And like, you know, I'm not definitely, I'm definitely not, you know, they're, they're saving grace or I'm not, you know, what's truly changing them at the end of the day, but to be a part of the process and to be a part of, you know, their, their journey to finding themselves in that way. Like I like have, like she was thinking about it. Like that's why I am on the earth, you know? Like that's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. That's so good, Victoria. That is why you are on the earth, man. And I love how you said that like you were rejected from your top two schools. You Yes, girl. Struggled like it wasn't. And I, I love that you said that because I think a lot of times when it comes to like figuring out our careers. Like we think that if it's a tough road to get there or if we face resistance, then maybe it's not God, you know, but I Mm -hmm. love how you said that you were rejected from your top two schools. And even Mm -hmm. after you went to school and got your first job, you still were like, I really don't know. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That you didn't get that dream job. You got a job, but it was in a toxic work environment and you had to deal Mm -hmm. with that. And so you come to the realization now that like, this is what God's called you to do. But I love how you talked about the realness of like the hard steps and the hard assignments that you had to get up to, to finally having that realization. 
So let's jump then into the next question. This kind of plays off on it. You talked about how Mm -hmm. when you were in college that you wanted to be a psychiatrist, right? Mm -hmm. One, what is the difference between, for those who may not know, what is the difference between a psychiatrist, a psychologist, and a therapist, right? So how, what is the difference and how do we kind of know which one we need? And then from you, also being in therapy, like what are some of the things that we should look for in a therapist? Because you also said that a therapist is not your saving grace or you are not your kid's saving grace. And so kind of walk us through kind of Mm -hmm. maybe setting those realistic expectations of one, what kind of therapy do we need? Two, you know, what should we look for in a therapist? And three, how can we set realistic expectations? Yeah, sure. And you know, that's a really good question. I So first and foremost, I do want to say a psychiatrist, a psychiatrist is a medical doctor. So this individual went to medical school, you know, they are licensed to prescribe medication. So they're a psychologist who um, have a PhD. So they are trained in assessments. They can also do therapy. I am currently a licensed associate professional counselor, but I'll just say a counselor. Counselors have master's degrees. Some of them get their doctorate in counselor education, but you know, what's needed to practice therapy is a master's degree. Um, Now then there's licensed social workers, there's licensed marriage and family therapists, really, you know, like social workers and marriage and family therapists, that's all of us together. We really are therapists, right? So a therapist is kind of like a broad, you know, broad term for someone that practices therapy and all three of us can do it. I mean, there's differences in our field. I'm definitely not saying there's not differences. This is my opinion. Take it or leave it. There's more similarities and more differences. Now, as far as the expectations, please hear me. <laughs> if you are looking, you know, for somebody, I would definitely suggest finding somebody that is licensed. You know, I, how do I say this? Ooh, how do I say this? <laughs> Tell the truth. <laughs> you know, not everybody that's marketing themselves as a counselor is a counselor. It's sad, you know, to say that, but you really want to make sure this person's trained in, in, in this because it gets a little tricky. Cause, you know, I hear a lot of times people say, why can't I just, you know, talk to my friends? Like I have friends, you know, I have aunties, uncles. Cool. That's awesome. And please, by all means, talk to your friends, talk to them, like don't not talk to them. But a lot of the times when you are talking to somebody who knows you, there's a bias there, right? So if you are talking to somebody who is a third party, they don't have any preference towards you, away from you, you know, you're going to get a more clear reflection of what's going on versus somebody who knows you, they might have an opinion about you, you know, you, you really don't know. We don't know, you know, we as people are biased. It's, it's part of our nature, you know, we have bias about people in our lives. So it's, it, it's more beneficial for you as a person to find somebody who is a third party. All right. And rant. Sorry about that. <laughs> now, I know some people, you know, cost is real. If you have insurance, that's awesome. If you search on your insurance, like website, you can find people that take your insurance. If you have something that's really important to you, then, you know, there's a therapist out there that does it. I promise you there is. So take it, take some time, you know, to look for them. Yeah. Um, Okay. Long winded. I'm sorry. I'm hurrying it up now. Um, Expectations for therapy. It's not going to be all sunshine and roses. And Mel, you know, we talk about Enneagram types all the time. I think as a type seven, I really struggled with that. 
for a while, you know, because a lot of the times when this, when you're in therapy, you know, you're going to be sitting with some really uncomfortable things. And as a type seven, I kind of want to speed through it, speed through it. Guess what? My therapist caught me. <laughs> she, she called me out on it quite a few times. Sitting with that uncomfortable moment, though, that's how we grow because you really get to sit with yourself, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, and sort out some of your mess. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the times I tell people it will get worse before it gets better only because, you know, you will open up some things that maybe you've never opened up before. And that's okay. That's also a good thing. And it's okay if it takes time for you to get there. You're not going to go to therapy for three sessions and then, oh, voila, (laughs) you know, it's over. (laughs) So Victoria, how long does it typically take for you to notice a, a difference? Like what is a realistic expectation for really being able to start seeing some change? I would give it at least six months. Um, and that, Yes. And that I would give it six months just to start seeing some change. And I say that because it's going to take you some time. Now, of course, it depends. I see my therapist bi-weekly. So if some of y'all go on weekly, it might, it might be shorter. But I look at back at the trajectory of the time I saw my therapist and it took me a while just to get comfortable with her. Right. It took me a while just to be able to disclose some things. You know, so you, you reach that place where you're comfortable and vulnerable and then you reach that place where you're comfortable sitting with some uncomfortable things. And then there's finally, you know, the last phase where you're actually like making some changes and you're actually applying these things to real life. Like it's not just, okay, I'm going to go to therapy and talk about this. Now I'm actually going to go out in real life. And when a situation comes that triggers me, I'm actually going to have a different reaction versus what I would do in the past. That is good. Okay. So let's switch gears a little bit while we're still on that mental health journey um, talk. So, of course, this is nothing new. As Christians, you always question whether or not you should just trust God, talk to God, build intimacy with God versus going to therapy. And, you know, mm-hmm. we have a lot of different people who are now advocating advocating for mental health. And like I said, me personally, you know, I've been in situations where I'm like, okay, no, I need to sit down and talk to somebody. Um, but even now I find myself in situation. Currently, I find myself in a situation where I'm really building that intimacy with God and I am really learning how to bring and submit my anxiety to God and still using different tools that I've learned along the way. But Mm -hmm. there's a time there is. I believe that there is a time where you should be in counseling, where you should talk to people. And I also believe that God is our healer, that he knows our thoughts, that he knows how to heal every thought as well. And so as a Christian kind of walk me through like how you or maybe you personally like how since you are a therapist and you go to therapy and you are a Christian how do you engage God or your faith when it comes to your mental health journey and how do you think we can determine whether or not we need to take things to God or whether we need to utilize the resources that are available to us I think it it really that's where community, godly community is really important for people. And I say that because I, I think that, you know, if you have somebody that you trust, like a disciple mentor, like, you know, just a mentor in life and you're getting a lot of feedback from them and they suggest it to you, you know, maybe that would be helpful for you. Therapy would be helpful for you. That sounds like, you know, some, some godly counsel that, you know, might be helpful towards you, you know, maybe God is speaking to that person. Or if you find yourself, you know, really, if, if your mind space is really occupied by, 
you know, your anxiety or things that really have you feeling down and that's taking up like the majority of your day and energy, you know, it's focused towards these things. That's, I think that's another sign. Like maybe you should just try it. Just try talking to somebody else about it and see where it takes you. I think I'm a real, I'm a big proponent of both and, right? I can have both God and my therapist. And, you know, it, it's really about if you're willing and I know it's, it's, it's interesting because different personality types might take to different might take to this differently like people who are more open and extroverted might be more willing to go to a therapist um and and that's okay like I think it really take time to pray and consider who's in your community and who can give you feedback you know of how they experience you because that's really important information too so are you saying that we should ask our like community so if we have a group of people around us are you saying that like we should ask for like their opinion on like what they observe within us yeah so definitely not everybody like finding like that one or two you know people that can give you that you know honest accurate feedback I think is really really important but most importantly like I would definitely say like what what you and what you choose to discuss with God in your personal time like let that be a part of the conversation you know however you communicate with God the best like including that in there and and maybe asking God to help guide you in the direction that he sees fit. Because a lot of the times, you know, if we, (laughs) what's that confirmation bias? Like if we're looking for something to happen, it it might happen. If we're not looking for it to happen, it won't like really leaving it in God's hands and being honest and genuine about that. Um, Yeah. I think that's really important. Yeah. So that's a little scary like how like asking people how do they experience you like did I hear you right (laughs) (laughs) yes girl you heard me right you heard me right like sometimes it takes another person to be able to talk to you about it and you know give you some feedback you know yeah yeah yeah. Okay. So while we're on the topic of faith, can you walk us through, um, maybe either briefly long, short version is up to you, but can you walk us through kind of your faith journey and where you started to where you are today? Yeah, sure. I, so I grew up in a Christian household, but I really didn't become a believer for myself until I got in college I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior when I was a freshman in college. I joined an awesome ministry called Nav Compass at the University of Georgia. And I kind of had my moments where I like grew a lot. But then I also, I think I mentioned in the beginning of this podcast, you know, I really didn't know myself. Graduated, came, you know, kind of fell out of things, got, you know, a little into the world because I wasn't in my community as much as I needed to be. Um, but when I moved to Atlanta for graduate school, I think that was when I really started to take my faith a lot more seriously. I had some moments definitely where I was stumbling, falling, um, getting into the wrong relationships, you know, really not guarding my heart, um, and honoring God with what I was doing. (laughs) I'm not gonna lie about that either, but I recently, maybe about a year and a half ago, you know, had had a, a moment where I really, I was in a pretty dark spot, you know, and I, I really called out to God during that time to, to help me and to bring me closer to him. And he answered, became more involved in my church, became more involved just in, in my spiritual life, like actually started intentionally devoting time to God, getting in the word, 
Um, I'm a complete Bible nerd. I love history. I love reading about what was going on back then. So really getting into those, watching movies, you know, that kind of like told those stories. Fast forward to today, I co-lead a small group with my roommate. Um, I love it. Yeah, I just, I think I'm, I think I've come a long way <laughs> since my early days as a Christian. Yeah. And that's good. And I'm I'm going to hit on that. So one question that I have, you talked about how you got into like the wrong relationships. And of course, mm-hmm. we all have those defining relationships, whether they're in high school, college or post-grad um, or afterwards, whether it's a marriage. Um, you know, we have those relationships and it makes such a big one. I would say how we get into those relationships says a lot about where we are mentally or kind of how yes. we view ourselves. But yes, then- no. Hey, hey, listen. <laughs> yes, that's true. Yes, but then but then also, you know, the the trauma, maybe it's trauma or maybe it's just heartbreak that happens afterwards. That is that is such a defining part of not only our spiritual life but then also our mental health, our everyday life, how we how we experience the world. And so my question to you is how did those kind of tough relationships that you went through, how did they kind of frame it? What did they tell you about yourself as far as your mental health? maybe your spiritual walk Mm -hmm. and then what did healing from those relationships look like for you this is a loaded question (laughs) you know I think you know my purity journey is definitely a journey and I definitely would like you know to shout out my therapist because she helped me uncover some of these things and you know by the grace of God I'm going to talk about them today so I will just say, yeah, I think I, I tried to escape via relationship. You know, um, I'm definitely somebody that to cope with, you know, whatever was going on around me, you know, I would try to pretty much block things out, whether that be in a romantic relationship or like with friends. But, you know, we're, we're talking about relationships and purity. I definitely saw myself kind of getting overly invested in my relationships to the point where, you know, I think I told my therapist a few weeks ago, like I can almost, I can trace my life back by looking at like who I was dating at the time. <laughs> like I, I specifically can group my life into those chunks, which was really interesting to me when I came to that realization. But I think that just told me how much of myself I put into those relationships. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and just how much I tried to, hide like my insecurities. Um, I can definitely say that I was, you know, not aware of who I was in God's eyes. I didn't see it. I didn't know it. I, I was more so somebody who wanted to see and find my worth in somebody, somebody caring for me, somebody being there for me, um, somebody supporting me, somebody there to give me the affection and the attention that I wanted. Right. So, you know, I went through a period of time where it seemed like I kept like almost dating the same person over and over again. Like they were different, right? But they had like the same attributes, almost the same, you know, just the ways they acted, you know, and like you said, Mel, it's telling of where we are at that time. Yeah. Um, and just to, you know, to, to be completely transparent with you guys, my last relationship ended terribly. Um, he ended up ghosting me. Like we didn't even have a final conversation about ending the relationship. He just disappeared. Um, and I was kind of left with like that big 
those feelings of rejection, like, wow, like I really am not worth anything. Like this person just kind of walked away from me. I really had feelings for them. You know, I, and of course, but I didn't make it any better about choosing like to be intimate with this person. But I think that was that moment when I finally hit that that dark place where I was like, you know, God help me. Like I need help from, I need help from this, you know? Um, anyways, like I ended up doing a, a, a number of things that probably didn't help my situation afterwards, but I, got involved with an organization that um, they are women's purity ministry and women's sexual integrity ministry, whatever you want to call it. Awesome. Awesome program where I met some awesome ladies and we really dove deep into what the Bible said about our sexual integrity, our purity. And, you know, those things were kind of like surface level, like how we handle ourselves sexually and like how we choose to, what we choose to do with our bodies. Like those are all surface, like mm-hmm. almost like products of like the deeper root of like how we see ourselves, how we see God, what we believe God thinks about us, what we believe about God, you know, all these deeper questions. So, you know, we, we, do, we dove into that. I dove into that. Um, I'm very proud to say that as of February 26th of this year, I've been celebrating for a year. Um, your girl was happy and just <laughs> very, very excited to move to that place um, where, you know, I, I could be without somebody and I didn't need, you know, that male validation to, to, to sustain me and to fill me. And, you know, I think it's, it's still a process. Like, I'm not saying like, oh, like I'm magically healed and, you know, there's no temptation. I mean, temptation is real. Temptation is out there. Girl, temptation is, ooh, yeah. Um, but I think I kind of learned, you know, how to hold myself accountable and be held accountable. One of my closest friends, like, you know, we talk about how we feel a lot in that regard. And like, she, she helps me through some things. I help her through some things. It doesn't matter how godly the man is, you know, like if we don't have God first, then we're not going to be fulfilled. You know, we're not going to be content. It's going to be a cycle. Yeah. Well, first, thank you for being transparent. Um, Thank you for being transparent because you did not have to share all that. Um, So I thank you for for sharing your story. And um, so that you're not out there by yourself. I can definitely relate to that, man. And I and I the reason why I ask that question is because when it comes to looking back on my on like my past relationships, like I had to I think sometimes when 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 we're healing from relationships, like it's easy to say, you know, oh, that person did this and they cheated and they were this and they didn't commit and they didn't stick to their word. But I found that when it came to actually healing from the past relationships, that I had to take a hard look at why I allowed a lot of the things that that I allowed in in relationships. You know, why I, you know, allowed why why I gave of myself, whether that be physically, emotionally, um, you know, without a without that person committing, or why did I continue to stay with that person after they after they repeatedly showed who they were? Um, and so I, I understood that a big part of my healing process was really understanding why I allowed that and healing Mm -hmm. from what in me um, was okay with that. What broken part Mm -hmm. of me, you know, didn't, didn't feel like I deserved more than that, you know? Yes. Yes. No. Yes. You are. Yes. You just said. Mm-hmm. But 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 no, I get it because um and I and I'm sure you know you can trace it back to to daddy issues, the different things that that happened growing up. 
But um, but being now, you know, how long has it been? I think I've been single now for maybe more four years or more. I can't remember at this point because <laughs> it's just yes. but um, but it's definitely not easy, like you said, because temptation is all over. Listen to me. OK, but, you know, getting to that place where I don't have to have someone fill that void where I can say, OK, no, I'm only going to settle for like what God has for me. Like it, it definitely takes a process to get there, like you said. Um, and so I did want to ask you a follow up question to that, though, like when you said that you have a friend that holds you accountable, like what does that accountability look like for you? Like, is it so you see this person that you're interested in and you tell you confide in that person, like you pray about it or, you know, if you feel like you want to call up, you know, send that big head text to somebody that you <laughs> Um, and then you have to talk to the friend first and she like, hold on, hold on, sis, let's, let's not do that. Like, what does that accountability look like for you? It looks like both of what you said. It, it looks like I've had a situation happen recently where I had somebody send me the hey, big head text. Um, you were at my birthday party, Mel. I had a friend, an old, an old guy person, you know, reach out and say, Hey, like happy birthday. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what comes after that. Right. And like, I had to, I had to text my friend and I was like, yo, she like, <laughs> this is what he's saying. Like, oh my gosh. And she kind of was like, okay, first of all, why isn't his number blocked? Like, you know, <laughs> she hit me with the truth, like real hard. And I had to be willing to be like, you know what? Yeah, you're right. Um, thank goodness for her because having friends like that helps you put things in perspective on the flip side. Like, you know, if I do have interest in somebody, like I I have friends that I go to and I, you know, I talk about it and they definitely help me to kind of reframe like, okay, so is this really interest or is this loneliness? Like what is going on right now? Are you really attracted to them? So yeah, it, yeah, it gets real. That's good. And that's good that you that you have that person. You talked about kind of the struggles that you had in, in relationships and how, you know, you may have made mistakes. You didn't really know who you were. You struggled with identity. You allowed them to fill the gap. And, you know, while for me personally, I've I've literally experienced that same thing. And when it goes back to like thinking about why we allowed ourselves to get into that relationship or that that toxic situation, I think another part of that releasing shame, you know, because Mm. I think a lot of times, you know, I could think about, oh, you know, I spent so many years invested in this person or acting out or being crazy or, you know, enduring all of these it really is to me, you're a therapist, but to me, it's really trauma. Like (laughs) when I think about, when I think about the stuff that I've been through, like I can say like, Oh, it was just toxic. Like, no, some of those things were were, were real life trauma. And yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think that, um, for me, another layer of that healing has to also be that overcoming shame that just because I made these wrong decisions or just because I, you know, was rejected or just because these things happen, it doesn't mean that I am unlovable. It doesn't mean that I am now past help. It doesn't mean now because of my past mistakes that, you know, God's not going to allow me to experience, you know, the, the, the love that we can have on this earth through, through him with each other. Cause I mean, yes, I, I healed for those past relationships and I can talk about them without crying or without feeling shame. But then it's like, the next step is, do you actually believe that God will redeem that side of you, that God will redeem your love life, that God will actually give you, you know, the desires of your heart, you know? And absolutely. Absolutely. And so my question to you would be like, do you ever struggle with like that shame 
Yeah, definitely. Um, yes, to answer your question, I do. Um, but I think knowing, knowing that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and our transgressions, knowing that he's already paid the ultimate price for us, why do we still carry numb guilt and shame? But we get numb to it. I, I hate to say that, but we hear it so much, right? Like we hear it all the time. We know what happened. But I, I had to really sit with the fact that he was crucified because he already knew that we were going to sin, right? And he, he was crucified for our shame and for our guilt. It's already been done, right? So me holding these things, me holding on to like what I did in the past, and what I used to do, like that's almost like me like telling Jesus, like, you know, your sacrifice wasn't enough. Like you, you died, but I'm still going to hold on to the guilt and shame. I'm not going to let it go. And that's, that's the opposite of what he wants us to do, you know? So something... I had to do was literally take those thoughts of guilt and shame and like nail them to a cross. <laughs> we had like a wooden cross there and we, we left it there because holding on to those thoughts, it, it, you know, it, like I said, think of, I had to think about, you know, the fact that he paid the ultimate sacrifice. Yeah. There's nothing that I can do. And really sitting with that for me helped shift my perspective. Now I still have moments where I, I get, you know, those thoughts, but I, 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 not ultimately, I uh, immediately try to divert my attention or think about his sacrifice because it's greater than anything I could have done. Mm -hmm. And so on that, and y'all know, I do not talk about relationships. I am like vehemently like anti that because I just feel like we have a lot to focus on and we, that should not be our sole agenda. So, um, but, but since we're already talking on this topic, Victoria, tell me maybe from, even from a therapist point of view, like how do you kind of balance that on one side, you know, you, you know who you are in God now and you know that no one else can fill that void, but God. And so you rely on him. You don't rely on, on relationships or, you know, mm -hmm. physical intimacy for that right on one hand. But then on the other hand, you know, you may still desire, you know, a godly marriage. You may still, you know, have the, the, the desires that you have. But but what would you say, like, is the balance in our thought process when it comes to balancing the fact that God is our source and everything we need comes from him while also managing our desires in a healthy way without like obsessing over like marriage and when I'm gonna get mine and you know all that stuff yeah um <laughs> that's a good question Mel um and I would definitely say um if you're not somebody who's a fan of journaling I would de definitely recommend starting you know journaling your thoughts journaling how you feel because I think that will give you a good reflection of like what's consuming your mind and what is truly becoming the idol in your life. Um, and like you said, Mel, like there's nothing wrong with desiring a godly marriage. I, God created us to be in relationship and he created us to, to create godly marriages. And there's nothing wrong with that initial desire but, it, you know, it, it really is up to your individual discretion and knowing yourself and knowing mm, if I do this certain thing, am I doing it because I want I want this attention or I want this affection or am I actually like, you know, is, is that not my true intention or motive? I think it really comes down to like your motives and being able to check yourself when you feel, you know, your motives kind of coming undone or coming out of line, um, you know, with, with your spiritual life and your spiritual walk. Mm -hmm. 
That's good. Okay, I'm going to move on, but I have one last question when it comes to this. This is a really good conversation that I am loving. But this is, this is good. Before before we go into the the end of the episode, of course, you know, we you're a therapist, so you know, we we have all these thoughts in my in our minds and I'm thinking about maybe someone that's listening that maybe wants to that maybe, you know, knows deep down that they need to start, you know, some type of celibacy, some type of healing journey where they maybe take a break from relationships, but sometimes what we know we should do and what we actually do are two different things, right? Right. Mm-hmm. What would you say is as a therapist, again, as a therapist or in your own personal walk, maybe we can pick the same topic of celibacy. Like you had that conviction that you had the conviction that, okay, I do need to become celibate. I do need to walk on this purity journey, journey. But what, what did it take for you to actually take those thoughts and make it into an action? Um, And I'm, I'm using the celibacy thing as an example, but maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe you could just leave us with, you know, tips on how we can actually act out the things that we know in our head or in our thoughts that we should be doing? So I am a big proponent of accountability and community. Um, This does not mean that you have to tell everybody, but if you have somebody in your life who you trust, I greatly recommend like just letting them know what what you're doing and what's, what's going on with you and being able to have a space where you can be held accountable, right? Because honestly, a lot of the times, you know, so we will start something, you know, <laughs> we might, whether it be celibacy or whether it be like a new you know, eating healthy or working out. But the, the hardest person it, it, to say no to is ourselves because, you know, it, it, we could do things and not tell anybody. So I would, I would, I would tell everybody, you know, whatever change you're trying to make, get somebody else involved. If you're doing it with somebody, that's even better. I think that's what made our group so powerful because we were all, going through it together. There was somebody else going through the same thing I'm going through. So it wasn't just, oh, I'm the only person that feels this way. Man, I think group therapy is powerful because you really get to see that it's not just you. Like there are other people that are struggling. There's other people that are having to overcome certain things and you might be able to glean some wisdom from them and they might be able to glean some wisdom from you. But whatever change you're trying to make, whoever's listening, please don't do it alone. Get somebody in on it with you. That's what I would tell people. Yeah. The hardest person to say no to is ourselves. Therefore, we need to get accountability. That is so good, girl. That's Mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. That's good. And just, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. No, I would talk all night. I can't do that to (laughs) y'all. Listen, I am soaking in all of the knowledge. I feel like this is our own personal like therapy session. <laughs> well, okay. I'm just going to say this last thing now and that's going to be it. I'll, you know, when I was on my journey of purity, I had those times where, you know, I was seeing guys I shouldn't have been seeing. I also wasn't telling anybody, nobody, right? Not, not even my best friend knew what I was doing. And that's dangerous, right? Because... If nobody knows, nobody can truly correct me with love, you know, the way the Bible says to be corrected. If I'm not willing to share what's going on, I can't expect for people to want to reach out and help me. You know, if if I'm not being open and transparent and saying I need help, I can't get mad and say, dang, like I'm going through this thing. Nobody cares about me. Like, no, I need to be the one. And, you know, I had to learn that myself. Like if I was really going to stop what I was doing, I had to tell people this is what I want to do. This is what I'm thinking about doing. And pray to God, 
you know, definitely God is the one who ultimately gets all the glory for this because it's because of him that I'm changed. But really taking that step to tell somebody, I cannot stress how important that is. Mm-hmm. I love that because and I honestly, I'll be transparent and say that that challenges me because, you know, I can say, oh, you know, I've been single and celibate for, you know, three, four years. I think it was four years. I really can't remember at this point, y'all. But um, I can say like, okay, I've been celibate for four years, but that does not mean that I don't still need accountability. Um, And I think sometimes, you know, for those who um, maybe for those who either have, you know, grown so much or grown X amount or, or time has passed along. And so we think that sometimes, you know, because this X amount of time has passed, we don't struggle with that anymore. But you'll be surprised. Let temptation walk up and you'll be you'll be right back where you were, you know, four years ago with the quickness because you don't have that accountability. And I feel like that challenges me. Like, okay, even though I may think in my brain that that today I may not struggle with that. Let somebody walk let somebody you know the wrong person let the enemy send somebody tomorrow then I could I could potentially be vulnerable to that attack you know without having that accountability even around the things that I have you know that 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 I have you know seen the other side of or or that I have you know worked a lot towards doing like even those areas that we think we are strong in we still need to have accountability because the the, the word says that we need to always stay alert and be vigilant you know because yeah. we don't know when the enemy you know because the enemy is already always prowling around looking for someone to mm-hmm. devour and so that's that's um, definitely a takeaway for me so I love that thank you for sharing um, okay so y'all we've been talking for a while I don't even know what time it is I know I say this every week (laughs) but um the last question I have for you Victoria is that in the rough draft of course we embrace where we are but we also do our work meaning we're always working on ourselves to to get to where we need Mm -hmm. to go and Mm -hmm. so for you you know you're starting this new job you're in therapy you're on this you know journey of you know just being whole but what would you say are your next steps or maybe your next goals maybe for this year maybe for you know the years to come and it can be any um, factor of your life if you don't mind sharing Oh, girl, (laughs) I have so many goals. Um, Definitely want to get more trainings. Professionally, I want to get more trainings. I want to have more knowledge, you know, just about, you know, being trauma-informed, trauma-informed work, maybe get more experience working with other populations. Now, I I love where I am now, so I don't think that's going to happen soon. But, you know, within the next 10 years, definitely. Um, I think I'm in a place where, you know, my physical health is definitely becoming more and more important. So, you know, this year, uh, me and my roommate actually are taking steps just to be healthier. Girl, I worked out the other day and I'm so sore. <laughs> like, just trying to get that part uh, of my life in check. Um, something I do want to share with whoever's listening. Um, I think that um, this year, I, a, a while ago, you know, I had this idea to start writing a children's book. Um, just about identity and like sorting through identity and being affirmed in who you are through God. Um, and I recently, that that fire kind of got rekindled in me again. So that's my goal for this year, 2020. I want to go ahead and start my children's book and you know have a good rough draft going. Don't know if it'll be finished, but girl, I, I feel like I want to do a series, but I'm going to start with one book. <laughs> just one. I'm going to start with one. Yeah, I think that you know, I, I do want to go back to school and get my PhD, but who who knows when that's going to happen? That might be two or three years from now. 
Um, we'll see what God has in store. I definitely want to make sure I'm in line with him. Um, and I always want to increase my intimacy with God. I feel like that's my goal every year. But every year it gets sweeter. You know, when I do increase the intimacy, every year it gets a little harder. But it, it's it's something that I strive for continuously. So yeah, those are my goals. Looking towards the future. Yes, I love it. I love it. I love the children's book idea. I love, love, love you so much, Victoria. Thank you so much just for being transparent, for sharing your story, for letting us into our own personal little counseling session. So now we know what to look for. We know, um, you know, how to set realistic expectations. We know how to reframe and reprocess. Girl, this was good. This is good. I'm so glad. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you for having me. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. You know, this was healing for me too, you know, because there was a point in my life where I couldn't talk about these things and now I can. Glory to God. All glory to God because, you know, I I feel like this was refreshing for me to be able to share with you and and all your listeners. Um, I also listen to your podcast, so I'm super excited to be here. So, yes, I love yes, it. thank you, Mel. Thank you for the woman of God that you are. I really appreciate you. Oh, don't get me in my feelings. Okay, I'm trying to end this episode. Oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> um, okay, sorry, I'm coughing now. Um, all right, y'all. Well, I will see y'all. That will wrap it up for this week's episode. Um, of course, I am praying that we all stay healthy, y'all. I am a little under the weather myself, and so I am just praying so hard, and I just really want us to all to be able to join together and pray um, over our country. I pray that you guys will stay healthy, that you will wash your hands, that you know your loved ones will be taken care of, and I will see y'all next week. Love y'all. Thanks for joining us this week on My Rough Draft Podcast. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at underscore Melanie Christina, and be sure to subscribe to this show so you don't miss any new episodes. Now, do me a favor and please leave us a five-star rating and review so we can continue to get the word out to other listeners around the world. Also, be sure to head to the RoughDraftCollective.com where you can access our online blog, free resources, our one-on-one services, and more. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see y'all next week. Bye.